Douglas Gold TV, Futurist, Health Innovation Media, Health 2.0, 10th Annual Edition. We're on digital health, and now we have new technology, and we have one of the leading experts in health, but technology to make health better, Adrian Gropper. And uh, you are just on a panel on this technology called blockchain. Yes. So give me a quick definition of blockchain and uh, maybe how it might be used initially to solve some problems, and then we'll explore this a little bit about the dynamics on that panel. Uh, blockchain is uh, a way of generating trust using math rather than uh, using an institution. So whenever you, we currently have systems that depend on a bank or a government or a hospital um, as a source of trust in uh, validating transactions, um, you can now imagine slowly but surely replacing that institutional component with uh, blockchain math. And so to use the example of bitcoins, which many people have heard about, what, what are bitcoins? Bitcoins are basically taking control of how you spend money away from both the bank and the government that regulates the bank. And so in that sense, it's led to a lot of uh, investment and a lot of innovation. And the same thing will happen in healthcare sooner or later. So blockchain is a way to take information and deconnect it from the institution and make it secure, simple, easily accessible? Yes. Uh, it, it basically lowers the transaction cost, but even more than lowering the transaction cost, it avoids uh, the uh, block data blocking problem that we've heard so much in interoperability. So if you like the term or not, information blocking that uh, you know our f friends in Washington have, um, have gone after, uh, it's seen as an institutional problem, right? The, it's not the doctors that are blocking the data, it's not the pharmaceutical vendors, it's not the device vendors. And so if you uh, have the blockchain technology, this math approach allows you to have a trusted exchange of information in a way that the hospital and the EHR vendor that is um, used by the hospital doesn't have any role in in blocking that transaction. So the comment that you made a couple times in the sessions you were in that I was in is honeypots of data sitting in these EHRs and hospitals or health plans and they're being hacked and they're being sold. Um, so blockchain helps us dry up the honeypots? Absolutely, because if you have right now the trust that we're placing, the authenticity of the transaction, the uh, validity of it, um, is it rests in that honeypot, in, in that hospital. If you have a way of validating a transaction the way we used to when we wrote prescriptions on paper pads, right? A doctor, you had to trust your doctor. You had to maybe trust the pharmacy to fill the prescription and the drug company to make the drug. All of those uh, had to be trusted, but there was no equivalent to having to trust an, a vendor as the transmission medium. You know, you didn't have to trust the people printing the prescription pads, and you certainly didn't have to trust the hospital in order to execute that transaction. So what that meant is that people could innovate in the drugs and could innovate in healthcare delivery. How, what kind of practice does the doctor want to have without having to have what's called rent-seeking behavior, without having to have uh, permission from some authority called EPIC or some authority called Kaiser that's using that EPIC system. And we are going to uh, get back into that model as we 
introduce various aspects of blockchain into the system. Now you mentioned at the panel that you're kind of independent of these people with specific products in blockchain as an in independent advocate, expert. Um, what, I have a question, which, um, which systems, uh, no, it's up, rate of uptake, right? So I, I've watched a lot of technologies be adopted or not uh, adopted in healthcare, open source, standard yes, open source software no. Um, what do you think the rate of adoption of this is going to be in, by health system CIOs and health plan CIOs? Um, I, well, th those are two different questions. I, I think uh, health plans are likely to be uh, much ahead of, uh, of hospitals uh, because they, they have a stake in practice innovation if they want to be able to compete in, in a privatized uh, health uh, insurance market in a way that uh, you know the incumbent healthcare provider institutions do not have a stake in that. Uh, but to, to answer your question, I, I think this whole model, uh, we've seen how this happens previously over the last, whatever, 100 years. Um, there was a time when telephones did not connect individuals uh, without there being some particular entity in the middle. And then the, the system opened up and you could connect any kind of phone, right? Maybe 40 years, 60 years ago, right? You could start now to connect any kind of phone into the network and any kind of device. We saw this with the internet, where um, eventually a little bit of uh, government action, a little bit of regulatory savvy made it so that any digital device could hook up to any other digital device using internet protocols. I think it is going to take, and that's the advocacy that I'm involved in, a little bit of that touch of government action in order to make trust not something that's managed by institution but something that rests in the individual. We call this self-sovereign identity, that's one element of it, but there are other elements of it and where we trust people based on their own reputations and based on the math that manages that reputation rather than trusting a particular uh, mediator like for instance Twitter or Facebook to manage uh, whether you're trusted or not. So the biggest problem for, if I put on the health system, CIO, now chief security officers, is security. And they're at risk. So do we have an issue with various uh, accepted vendors adopting this technology into their solutions? Because solving the pain point of security and having that honeypot there and being the next poster child for a breach is the top of the list of most CIOs and CSOs I know about. Right, and you know, basically what that means is there, there's a shift between uh, thinking that you benefit from having as much information in your, in your honeypot uh, versus having as little information as possible. So let's say you are a hospital and you have a knee surgery program that's second to none. And that's what the value you're adding to society. You have a great team, great practice management system, and everything else. Do you want to link that to a honeypot of all the other aspects of the personal health record that aren't episodic in the sense of I'm going to do that knee surgery, I'm going to get $50,000 for it, and I'm going to move on to the next one? Do I really want to be holding on to longitudinal health records on those patients? Uh, to, uh, and biobanks and everything else. Is that where my business is? So it's going to force this unbundling 
of security issues because in effect uh, that data becomes a liability to that particular uh, knee surgery, knee transplant uh, program. It is not an asset and if they can figure out how to work in a patient-centered health record environment that has a great diversity of where the patient records are and not them being the root of, of all knowledge, then uh, they will be preferable to uh, customers and they'll be able to stick to their knitting. That's, that's a huge leap in that these health systems and others are saying, their mindset is, how do I monetize all this data I have? How do I rent slices of it for outcomes research, prospective, retroactive? I, I, th that's not going to work because their data is not going to have social data in it. It's not going to have environmental data, you know, where have you been? It's not going to have financial data uh, that affects, you know, what kind of eligibility, what kind of insurance, what kind of issues you have. In order to deal with decision support, right, which is the big value here, whether it's you call a digital doctor or you just think it's an adjunct to something that you talk to your doctor about, that doesn't matter. In order to provide truly valuable decision support services and the machine intelligence behind it, you're not going to be able to do that based on purely the clinical data sets that are in that hospital system's EHR. You're going to want to have an understanding for public health reasons as well as for uh, management reasons, you know, in the big data sense of the word, you're going to want to know what the social environment, you want to know where that, whether that person's been to Liberia last week, you're going to want to know the financial and insurance situation that that person is in before you make a recommendation. There's absolutely no conceivable way that when these systems that we have now have 10 to 20 million patients in one regional epic EHR or, you know, similar things, uh, that people are going to put social, environmental, and financial data into those systems for safekeeping. Therefore, the quality of the data that the actual vendors of services, whether they're selling pharmaceuticals, whether they're selling, you know, knee replacements, is going to, or whether they're doing research on how to improve those, the quality of the data that comes from a patient-centered perspective rather than an institution-centered perspective is going to be much higher. So yes, there'll be a time when there's stuff for research purposes and private biobanks, uh, but it's not going to last very long because they're not going to have all the stuff that is really necessary. Oh, there's some leading, you're, you're absolutely right with the average health system. There's some leading health systems looking at all those domains, social, environmental, but your point uh, this is going to revolutionize the technology. It's going to potentially make it secure, and it's a new set of tools that can help us uh, improve health. Uh, it, has any stay, it has to stay centered on the person, and, it, and that means not just centered on the person as the patient, but also the person as the licensed practitioner, the physician. That relationship has to grow in strength and trust, not be subsumed to a relationship of the physician as an employee, of, of some, uh, some, you know, payment plan in effect and some uh, technology that they don't control. So we're back to people taking control of their personal health records just like we do our bank accounts and credit cards. Uh, not personal health records. Personal health records. Health information. Yes, just their health records in the sense that if the physician can sign into your health record, and this is the HIE of One project that we use as a proof of concept 
to impact these policies in Washington and the standards that we work on. If the physician is able to sign into your patient-centered health record and write a prescription, just the way they used to be able to do that when everything was on a prescription pad and paper, then you've got a solution that is innovation-friendly and scales the way the internet should scale. And that is uh, how it's going to come about. So does that mean that I'm going to have to advocate to have that information centralized, independent of uh, hospital, Epic, uh, my doctor, that that's going to be a citizen advocacy? Or uh, how are we going to get there? Where well, again, ask yourself, how did we get the ability to connect phones into our phone network, you know, 60 years ago? How did we get the ability to connect our routers and our computers into the internet without paying somebody, you know, by the minute, uh, you know, 40 years ago? Uh, there, there is a patient's rights or a human rights, I would call it, because it's not just patients. I think the physicians are just as much and everybody, uh, every other professional is in that same boat. There has to be just enough regulation to open up the system, just like there was. And, and the system I'm talking about here with blockchain is the trust system, is what enables you to trust the transaction. So we have the digital transactions. We call that the Internet. We have person-to-person -person relationships. We call that voice Tele telephony or telemedicine if you want to broaden it and now what we need is people-centered trust mechanisms and the blockchain can do that thank you slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details